The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Or if you're new to the podcast, welcome. The Drama Triangle. Today we are going to discuss the dreaded Drama Triangle. In the 1960s, Dr. Stephen Carpen coined the term to describe the dynamic between the three dysfunctional roles, the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. Now, I have done a considerable amount of personal development work over the years, and working on eradicating the drama triangle out of my life is probably some of the hardest work I've ever done. And to be frank, it's not totally eradicated. However, it doesn't run my life anymore. It doesn't run me anymore. This power dynamic is so pervasive. It's in families, workplaces, our government, society in general. It's everywhere. And I believe educating ourselves around this is imperative not to only move ourselves forward, but moving the collective forward. This week on my sister podcast, Speak the Language of the Universe, I've been talking about manifesting. And if you are not getting the results in your life that you desire, then the drama triangle probably has a hand in it in some way. This is part of the work that some call shadow work, and it is the part that most people avoid. This is also part of the work that we do in my immersion retreats because I love digging into the dark side. It's so impactful coming out on the other side of it. Breaking free from the drama triangle, like I said, is one of the hardest things you can do, but it's also one of the fastest, empowering things you can do for yourself. At the heart of the triangle is victim consciousness, or victim mentality if you prefer, and that's tied to your belief systems and feelings. Generally speaking, this is set in motion during your developmental years as a child, primarily age zero to six or seven. Cartman says particularly zero to three, I believe. And there's a study, I think it's coming out of Harvard, that shows as much as 70% of college sophomores feel like they're a victim or actively trying to victimize others. This should not be too surprising. Look at today's media or even social media, and it's obvious that the drama triangle and victim consciousness is very pervasive. It's even celebrated in some cases. Now, in the drama triangle, the entire game, like I said, revolves around the victim. The objective is to get your needs met without asking for them directly or taking responsibility. Now, there are a couple types of victim consciousness. You have the pathetic victim, which exhibits as pity parties, woe is me, damsel in distress, Although men can play that role as well, these aren't gender-specific. You have the angry victim roles. They use, that exhibits as guilt and shame manipulation techniques while puffing up. And then you have the martyrs, who may oscillate back and forth between the two, but with much more theatrics. They are very, very high drama. Martyrs are also the type to say that everything is God's will, while showing no action or to do anything about whatever negative situation is going on in their life. 
there is always a villain. There's always a villain, and nothing is ever their fault. And the behavior's objective is to attract a rescuer, to perpetuate his or her own negative belief systems, because they don't want to take responsibility for making decisions or solving problems. Now, as you would expect, the persecutor is the bad guy, the villain. The persecutor can conceivably be a person, or it can be a circumstance, or perhaps both. If it's a person, then they usually feel justified in some way for their actions, that they have a right to their negative feelings, that there's a good reason for them to persecute someone, whether that come out as bullying or anger or anything of the like. Righteous indignation is the name of the game. It's the whole concept of, oh, I got you right where I want you. They can also come from a look-what-you-made-me-do standpoint. These people have a very, very strong need to be right because that's their objective is to be right and to let steam off during the process while maintaining control. Now, our rescuers. Rescuer is the white knight. Again, any gender can fill these roles. They want you to ride in and save the day. They want to. Sorry, they want to ride in and save the day because they get to look good and they have their existence validated. This role also loves a good self-sacrifice. Look at all that I'm doing for you. I'm doing all of this for you. Look at what I've given up to do this for you. And usually people that love to rescue, it's projection because their own needs weren't met in childhood with any regularity. It also fulfills a strong need or pull to fix people. It feels like that. I need to go do this. It's, it's almost a compulsion. There can be a tremendous amount of guilt around not fixing things when a situation comes up or not playing peacemaker. It's the weight of the world on your shoulders that also, that feeling also accompanies this role. Each person in the triangle, however, their, their main like high-level objective is to get into that victim role. That's the objective. So that you can have, what happens is you have people feeding the dysfunction by switching roles. It's a competition to see who can get into victim and stay there the longest. Why? Because on some level, You get your needs met without directly asking for them. And all of this, the lion's share of the time, is going on subconsciously. Because most people don't have an awareness around it. So let's walk this through. Victim is helped by rescuer, but shows no gratitude because, well, woe is me is their belief. Rescuer feels unappreciated and helpless, thus turning them into a victim. Former victim gets angry at rescuer for needing validation and then becomes per, um, <coughs> excuse me, persecutor. Or perhaps rescuer gets jealous about all the attention the victim is getting. It gets angry and then they become the persecutor. Persecutors are all about control, obsessive about control because that's their biggest fear, loss of control. 
And actually on some level that applies to all these roles. What makes them feel safe? Rescuers are all about what? In external validation. They don't feel like they have a purpose in life otherwise. They need someone to protect or to fix. How many people do you know that are constantly trying to fix people that clearly have no desire or need to be fixed? That gives them a little boost to their self-esteem. If I do this, people will appreciate me. If I do this, people will like me. I can burn myself out, but somebody will like me. Maybe they'll even love me. That is the mental game a rescuer plays. Now remember, keep in mind, the objective of this triangle is to get to play the victim. That's the prize. That's the winning point. The more people that switch roles, the higher the drama. The victim is someone waiting for something bad to happen, happen to them. That, that's the definition. I'm waiting for something bad to happen to me. And it usually does. Why? Because we get what we focus on. You get what you focus on. You call that shit in. That's law of vibration. What frequency are you operating on? The root of all of this, all of it, is built in the dysfunctional belief of scarcity. There is not enough of something to go around. In a lot of families, asking for what you need is met with, is met with um, guilt or shaming. Like, why are you so selfish? Who do you think you are? Well, you think you deserve that? What makes you so special? Why do you need that? And when I figured, I think when I first learned about the drama triangle, my initial reaction was, oh, I can see that in other people. And then after I thought about it for a bit, I was angry because I could see myself in all of those roles. And then I got really super uncomfortable because I really started looking at it and I could see myself in all of those roles a lot of the time. And in fact, I realized that that's pretty much how I operated in life most of the time in the drama triangle. And victim consciousness is a multi-generational belief system in my family. We make it into an art form. And the drama and the chaos... That was pretty much the only life that I knew from a baby on. So if I wasn't around drama, then there was a very good chance I was going to create it. And I could rapid switch in these roles very easily. They became home. I can't remember who said it off the top of my head now, but there is a phrase that if you cannot find your way out of a hole, you will crouch down and call it home. And that is very, very true. For instance, my last corporate job, there was a VP that I did not get along with, and it was very well known in the department. He was my persecutor. He allowed me to stay in victim mode. He had bullying behavior, and although executive management was well aware of it, it wasn't addressed. And I would run to my therapist, and she would give me all this advice on how to deal with him. And as far as I was concerned, nothing worked. So I got to stay in my victim and I also got to play rescuer fixing all the crazy projects thrown at my team. And I got to play 
persecutor when things did not play out well. And I look back now, and I see how so much of that I just allowed to happen by what I was tolerating at the time. And I can see where he was coming from and what his role in all of that was. But I didn't have to play the game. And when you step out of the drama triangle, when you start stepping out of it, it was it, it's you're then made the villain. Because when you're the villain, because you, you're not playing the game anymore. And I got, I tell you, I, I played rescuer <laughs> a lot as well. I had a history of playing, being the white knight in relationships. I even overheard my mother say one time, oh, she just likes to ride in on her horse and save the day. And another example in my life is my partner in all the things, James, has a hard time remembering my birthday. Several years ago, he walks in from work and I say, hey, what are we doing for dinner? And he's like, I don't know, obviously not remembering it was my birthday. And I got pissed and I left. I went full victim mode, man. I left. I went to my local favorite hangout. I'm sitting there eating dinner. And ironically, someone was celebrating their birthday which obviously fueled me even further. And so I was like righteous, right into persecutor when I got home. And he felt bad, of course. But then a day or two later, I realized the pattern. And I was, once again, I was in the drama triangle. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I know he has a problem remembering this date. And for instance, this year, so I stopped. I stopped expecting him to like read my mind or, or 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 some of the things that I needed. So this year at the beginning of the month I said, Hey, let's find something for my birthday this year. And we went to the beach with some friends and it was lovely. Why? Because I learned and not I not only learned how to ask what I need, I also learned how to ask for what I want. And I still don't do that perfectly all the time. Although I did put my uh, birthday in his phone so that problem has been solved. A little pro tip there. But it was hard for me to learn how to ask for something. And what really helped me tremendously and what I teach my clients is make sure if it is hard for you to ask for help or ask for what you need or what you want, make sure that you ask from someone who actually has the capacity to meet your expectations or your needs or your wants. Otherwise, you're going to feed the drama triangle versus a victim than maybe as a persecutor. They have to be able to give you, they have to have that capacity to give you what you're asking for. Now, what makes this so challenging to break? Well, as we discussed before, the only thing that changes belief systems outside of a sudden impact event is experience. And with the drama triangle, it's about perceived power dynamics. Victim consciousness has a perceived dynamic of powerlessness and helplessness. And this can be a learned helplessness if developed early in childhood. When you have learned helplessness, It's hard for you to even see or respond to opportunities that may be right in front of you because you don't see them. You don't have the awareness around them because you're in that hole. 
disappointment, drama, pain, that's normal to you. Chaos is normal to you. Joy, successfulness, fulfillment, meaningful relationships, they feel wrong in a way. They feel off. That's why it's so easy to self-sabotage and why you have to look at your behavioral patterns to know what you need to work on. I should, op- I should also point out here that this is also tied to whatever your survival type is or your, your survival type response. My personal response is fight most of the time. So I'll go looking for a fight. I'll, dr- I'll, like, I'll stir some shit up. But your response might be t- flight or freeze. You could completely shut down. That'll play into how your victim behavior shows up. That's why knowing what your childhood roles are or were are helpful so that you can retrain your responses and stay out of the triangle. Now, here's a here's the really, really tricky part. One of the biggest challenges with all of this that you can face is the with the triangle is that you can play all of these roles in your mind with yourself. You don't need external players. I also did this a lot. I had some some of these uh, roles camped in my head that used to argue with myself quite a bit. And this still comes up if I start to question the direction I'm going in or if a situation is not going as I expected, sometimes this will pop up and I have to really press the pause button and say, okay, what's what's going on here? Because this can really screw with your mind. And it, in my opinion, it's the ultimate self-sabotaging technique. All right, so what can we do or what can you do to stay out of the drama triangle? Now, these are all behaviors that I do myself to stay out. So, number one, know that your belief systems are driving this behavior. So look for patterns. Those patterns are what are keeping you stuck. That's the first step is awareness around the patterns because you can't address any, something that you're not aware of. Number two, take radical responsibility for everything in your life. You cannot be empowered and feel like a victim at the same time. Number three, ask for what you need and what you want from people directly. Don't manipulate things to get it. Be direct and ask from people to have the capacity to give it to you. Number four, express yourself so that you're not repressing or suppressing feelings. Remember, when we repress or suppress feelings, it's going to come out and it's going to come out in an unhealthy way. Number five, press the pause button when you recognize yourself in one of these roles. Start asking yourself some hard questions. Number six, remember everything comes down to self-trust. And number seven, remember to use the universal laws. Reliance on them to help solve the issue at hand keeps you out of the triangle. Now give some thought to this. You might want to listen to this one again. We've just touched the surface and the complexity of the drama triangle today. Like I mentioned earlier, this is part of shadow work, the deeper work I do with my clients in emergent retreats. I mean, I spend a couple of days on stuff like this. So short episode, you're going to have to let it sink in. 
I look forward to connecting next week. And don't forget to check out the Speak the Language of the Universe podcast for Mindset Mornings. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriamcdonald.com. 